0: Are you ready for the word this morning? We might have the praise team come back up again in a little bit and and lead us into a a time of uh, response to the message here in the altars of God. Can you say amen to that? Hallelujah. I want to deliver a message to you today entitled, Take a Stand. Take a Stand. Just look to your neighbor to your right and say, Take a Stand. Now just look to those on the left and say, take a stand. Pun intended, pun intended, pun intended. (laughs) Uh, This is the third message in a series from the book of Daniel. And uh, I don't uh, ever sit down per se and say, I want to write a series. It just seems that that's how it evolves. And so this is the third message in this series. Now, Daniel is known as one of the uh, minor prophets in, in the Bible, specifically in the Old Testament. Yet, interestingly, even though he's known as one of the minor prophets, uh, Daniel is filled with some of the most memorable memorable Bible stories that you'll. You're giving me a funny look, darling. He's a major prophet. All us POC's Well, thank, <laughs> thank you for fixing that for me. Yeah, it is her birthday, so I, I guess she can even correct me when I'm preaching. So, all right. So, according to my bride, and she's always right. Just saying. Uh, Daniel is known as one of the major prophets in the Bible, specifically the Old Testament, and yet uh, the book of you just messed up my whole introduction. Here. dear. Anyway, I'm preaching from the book of Daniel today. Relax. Daniel is filled with some of the most memorable Bible stories that you'll ever read. There's no doubt about it. And Daniel is also one of the books that has probably some of the greatest information about The end times about the coming of the Lord and a lot of other things that are going to be happening at the uh, end times. Uh, There have been innumerable messages that have been written and preached about Daniel in the lion's den. We've all heard of that, right? And couldn't even probably countless Sunday school lessons that have been taught on the three Hebrew children, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And so there's a whole lot of information in this, this small book in the Bible the world and culture around Daniel was uh, fighting for his affections and fighting for his devotion. As you know, I shared with you that they were they were taken captive by the Babylonian uh, king, King Nebuchadnezzar, and taken into a completely different society and a different culture and expected to conform to that culture. Is anybody uh, hearing where I'm going yet already in this? And so... Babylonian culture came along and uh, stole from them their sense of their need for God, came along and said, no, you don't no longer need the God. you no longer need Jehovah God anymore. Uh, changed their sense of lifestyle. No, you're going to do it this way now. and uh, made them conform by even changing their names, which had such such depth of meaning, their Hebrew names, basically, Comprised together meant servant of the Most High God, and their names in the Babylonian culture meant servant of Satan himself. And so they were just, that's what culture did, that's what society did to conform them to their way of life. And that's the same thing uh, that happens today. Not much has changed today. The world will try to conform who you are. Um, It's all over uh, the airwaves, whether you listen to the radio, whether you listen to the TV. You can't believe anything that's being broadcast nowadays. In fact, I encourage you not to. The only true truth is right here in the Word of God. Can you say amen? And so the world will do everything to uh, subtly seduce you into their way of thinking and to conform you. And the call for every Christian is to make a difference in this world without giving in to this world. That's our job. That's one of our callings. Daniel was able to have an impact in his culture and in his society without compromising any of his beliefs. And how did he do that? Well, we talked about it last week that he was able to have a consistent prayer life uh, that helped Daniel be ready for every difficult situation that came along. And it'll do the same for you and I. When, when Daniel was confronted with a difficult situation, he didn't dwell on his circumstances. He didn't dwell on his situation. And he didn't take matters into his own hands. Think about that for a minute. What did he do? He went directly to God in prayer, which, by the way, was not a response to a cultural demand it was his lifestyle. That's what he did three times a day, every day of the week, every week of the month, every month of the year. And once again, today, we're going to hear from the book of Daniel, and we're going to focus in specifically on these three Hebrew youths, Sadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, as their names are in the Babylonian culture, where we find them confronted with what looks like a seemingly impossible situation i would dare say a a a, an impossible situation even more dire than any of us have ever faced or ever will face and yet they leave us with a beautiful example example daniel 2 opens up and talks about the 90 foot statue that king nebuchadnezzar had had made of himself and he put out a decree that every everyone in the land had to bow and worship this statue. Everybody. Now imagine if if something even vaguely similar were to happen to us in America and we were commanded, you were demanded that you're going to bow to this other God or die. I wonder how many of us under those extreme circumstances would take a stand or take a knee. That's an interesting perspective if you think about it. Because the end times tell us that that's a great possibility for all of us. And so we have to be ready. If you uh, have your Bible with you, please turn to Daniel chapter 3, which, by the way, is one of the major prophets. Uh, I'm so happy to, to know that. So, amen. I'll milk that for a little while. And maybe even a little while later on this afternoon, just saying. So, Just kidding, sweetheart. Daniel chapter 3, verses 1 through 7 Let's read, uh, I'm reading from the New Living Translation uh, of the Bible. King Nebuchadnezzar made a gold statue, 90 feet tall and 9 feet wide. Big statue. And he set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Then he sent messages to the high officers, officials, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the provincial officials to come to the dedication of the statue he had set up so all these officials came and stood before the statue king nebuchadnezzar had set up verse 4 then a herald shouted out people of all races and nations and languages listen listen to the king's command when you hear the sound of the horn flute zither hey jonathan why don't we have a zither in the band in fact what's a zither uh, a flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipes, and other musical instruments bow to the ground to worship King Nebuchadnezzar's gold statue. Anyone who refuses to obey will be immediately thrown into a blazing furnace. I'd say there's an ultimatum laid down, right? A, a red line in the sand, if you will. It says you don't, you don't bow to this, uh, this image of the king. Uh, who, who pretended to be a god, then you're dead. We're going we're to cook you this afternoon. Verse 7, so at the sound of the musical instruments, all the people, whatever their race or nation or language, bowed to the ground and worshipped the gold statue that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. So they're commanded to bow down to King Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, this doesn't work for them because they are completely devoted and committed to worship only one God, the true God, Jehovah God. That's their commitment. But they're faced with a choice. They've made a commitment in their hearts that they were not going to defile themselves with any of the king's stuff, with any of the pressures and the demands that culture made at them. They were not going to do it. They had already made that decision that no matter what, they were were not going to bow, they were going to take a stand. And that's really, in a nutshell, that's my message to all of us today, is we've got to come to a place where we have a resolve and make a decision that no matter what society, uh, the deep state, or any of the other things that uh, those who are trying to uh, uh, reform and conform our country into a socialist-slash-communist country that we choose that we're not going to bow no matter how much they say to us that our god is not real and that christianity is not real and that we're all just a bunch of fools we will not bow we will ha- we will take a stand against culture but guess what beloved it's gonna cost you many christians are not prepared to have to pay whatever price it may be for their faith but the days of easy christianity friends, are behind us. It's time for us to be ready and willing to take a stand. Can you say amen? Let's continue reading from verse 8 through verse 15. So we see in the very beginning there that the statue is set up. Everyone, when the music starts playing, isn't it interesting how the devil reverts and distorts everything God does? You know, how do we start all of our worship and our our church services? In music, and it's a call to come, what? Bow before the God of gods, the Lord of lords, the king of kings, amen? And so Satan says, well, we're going to have a different worship session. And when the music starts, everybody's supposed to bow before the king. Uh, So verse 8, but some of the astrologers went to the king and informed, uh, told on the Jews. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, long live the king. You issued a decree requiring all the people to bow down and worship the god, the gold statue, when they hear the sound of the horn, flute. Hey, Jonathan, there's the zither again. Uh, Lear, harp, pipes, and other musical instruments. We're going to have to figure out what a zither is. Like a, harp. Like a what? Harp? harp. Okay. Uh, so, uh, that verse number 11, that decree also states that those who refuse to obey must be thrown into a blazing furnace. Can you, I mean, can we really wrap our heads around the fact that anything vaguely similar could happen in our future? I think for some of us, we could wrap our heads around the idea that the demand to no longer worship the God that we worship, to no longer proclaim our Christianity, the day that we might think that proclaiming our Christianity could be a dangerous thing for many might say, well, that's just a conspiracy theory. That will never, ever happen. And I say, whoa, we need to be prepared for whatever possibilities may be before us and not just go, well, I'm sitting on my four-inch cushion in a pretty nice church with a great band, and so uh, we're good to go. No, I, we, we gotta be ready to take a stand when it's time. So verse 11, uh, that decree also states that those who refuse to obey must be thrown into a blazing furnace. But there are some Jews, now they're going to to pinpoint these cats, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, whom you've put in charge of the prophets of Babylon. They pay no attention to you, your majesty. They refuse to serve your gods and do not worship the gold statue you've set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar flew into a rage and ordered that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought before him. And when they were brought in, Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you refuse to serve my gods or to worship the gold statue I've set up? Verse 15, I'll give you one more chance to bow down and worship the statue I've made when you hear the sounds of the musical instruments. But if you refuse, you will be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace. And then what God will be able to rescue you from my power. Oh, my, 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 my. Now, needless to say, worshiping this statue was not an option for Daniel and his friends. There was no way they were going to... So it led to what seemed like an impossible predicament with major consequences. And we're going to pick up in chapter 3, verse 16, where Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are before Nebuchadnezzar, after having took a stand. They decided to take a stand. Let's pick up in verse 16 through 22. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He'll rescue us from your power, your majesty. But even if he doesn't, We want to make it clear to you, your majesty, notice they're they're still walking in honor, right? That we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue that you have set up. Wow. Now it's pretty cool. They got right in the face of your majesty, but continue to respect the office that your majesty was sitting in. Uh, let me help you all, if I can, it's not in my notes, but I feel so inclined that we have such a tendency to take a look at our current president and totally disrespect the office because of who's sitting in it, We, you know, who's trying to make us bow to a, a different God, if you will, to bring about a socialist environment, uh, to bring about, to tear down, bring around the, the new world order, if you will, mostly backed by Soros and some of those other yahoos, Uh, excuse me for just getting real today and yet we see see our president fall down and we go oh that's so cool hope he hurt himself and he won't be able to get up and do it anymore if he'd only just go ahead and have complete dementia what about this same kind of respect that we saw here many of you won't even call him President Biden he's just Biden huh Oh, it's so quiet in this church this morning. We're supposed to have respect for the office. All right? We don't, we're not to lift the man up, but to have respect for the office in which the man sits. Okay? And you've got to keep in mind that, the, that the, the heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord, and he can turn that, that, that river any direction that he wants it to go. But there's so many believers, so-called believers, that show such disrespect. For, uh, our our governing officials. Well, he stole the election. That's well okay what what whatever he's still the president. And you know what you should be doing? praying for him, not praying him out. Oh Lord, get him out of there. huh? And I'm not I'm not in here as a Trump fan or a DeSantis fan or, Whoever else, they're all yahoos to me. <laughs> okay. But I, this is a beautiful lesson. They're getting ready to be thrown into the fiery furnace for not bowing before the God. And they, they still showed this amazing respect for the king that was getting ready to throw them in the furnace. That's something you know, I've taught you all many times over the years that when you walk in honor, You walk in the supernatural, miraculous realm of God. Huh? And so, uh, yeah, we got to be honoring people. So where do I leave off? Verse 18, but even if he doesn't rescue us, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue that you set up. Verse 19. Nebuchadnezzar was so furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that his face became distorted with rage. Think about it. He commanded that the furnace be heated seven times hotter than usual. Then he ordered, are you ready for this? Verse 20. Then he ordered some of the strongest men in his army. The strongest men in his army. Big dudes. War-torn scars everywhere, probably ribbons everywhere. These were the strongest men in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and to uh, throw them into the blazing furnace. So they tied them up, threw them in the furnace, fully dressed in their pants, turbans, robes, and other garments. And because the king, in his anger, had demanded such a hot fire in the furnace, the flames killed the soldiers as they threw the three men in. Okay, so I'm trying to get you to get a picture of what this scenario looks like. I know that in our society, we don't have a King Nebuchadnezzar who has a fiery furnace, okay? Uh, It's a metaphor for things that can happen in our society, though, okay? And so arguably, the most powerful part of this passage is that these three friends resolved to to serve one god even if they weren't spared from the fire. And they were bold enough said doesn't matter. We are not going to bow to your god. We will do whatever we have to no matter what even in the face of this dilemma. And this was more than a dilemma, okay? When the when the strong army dudes scorched just throwing these three Hebrew children in the fire, that had to have been Uh, that had to have been a crazy r-rated movie let me just say right there so i wonder if faced with any type of metaphoric similar situation would we be chameleon christians and choose to blend into our environment uh, and bow to whatever the government would tell us to do or will we take a stand and do what The government of god because the government is on his shoulders can you say amen and to do what thus saith the lord and do what the bible teaches us to do but even then we got to do it with honor and we got to do it with respect i know that messes with some of y'all but i wonder would we take a stand would i take a stand it's not i'm not standing up here and going i have arrived okay I didn't even know he was a major prophet, so leave me alone. Okay? (laughs) Oh, praise God. So you have to wonder. You, You need to ask yourself, if I was faced with a similar situation, would I take a stand? Or would I bow in order to save my neck and to save my family's neck? Would I bow? You see, it's when the difficult circumstances show up that our true colors show up and it would be easier for us oh we'll take a stand yeah but I wonder if we have the metal that Shadrach Meshach and Abednego had in the face of that fire to still take a stand no matter what knowing they were about to be crispy critters there's no doubt about that I wondered if you would be prepared to face the trouble in the difficult situations because like Daniel you have a consistent prayer life reaching back to last week's message cuz we must have a consistent prayer life or or is is your prayer life a weak and sporadic prayer life that causes us to stick our tails between our legs and give in are we going to be able to stand when the trials truly come because how you stand is what really matters, okay? So do you remember the statement that I had you write down last week? It was, a consistent prayer life prepares you for difficult situations. We are having an an amazing prayer movement here at Resurrection Life Church with our Wednesday night midweek prayer times with a number of people showing up. It was a beautiful prayer time in this sanctuary today with about 25 people here, and as I stood and looked over the, the people that were here, I recognized that every ministry in this church was represented in this morning's prayer meeting. Now, I don't know if you understand how rare that is, that every ministry in this church had someone, and I don't think, no, they didn't all get together. Let's make sure that everyone from every ministry, no, it was just prayer is moving in this house and God is moving people and people are moving toward prayer time and it was just a beautiful prayer time this morning by the way you're welcome every sunday morning at eight o'clock i've told you this a number of times probably the greatest dose of peace that you'll get all week long will be that half hour on sunday morning and you won't be sorry that you did it so remember that a consistent prayer life is what prepares you to face difficult situations now, I know that in this setting, we're talking about three Hebrew children getting ready to be thrown into a fire and burned up. But what about just the everyday difficult situations that we all face? Huh? Every day, and I'm not talking about the major stuff, just the everyday difficult situations. I'm in my shop working, and I got a, a, a drum sander, and I'm, I'm cranking the wheel to lift the drum up, and my handle... My, John, my handle breaks right off in my hand. Man, that would have been a good time to do some preacher cursing. You know what preacher cursing is, don't you? Sketch a retcha, retcha. <laughs> Huh? But no, you know. I mean, what I so. My point being, that was not a major difficulty. It it was a difficulty, because turning that wheel without the handle, not so easy, right? But So that was just a minor difficulty. How will we face in a minor difficulty? Okay, I want you to know I didn't do any preacher cussing. All right, some of you are going to walk around and go. When you get mad, you're going to start going, scratch a ratchet, and your mama or your dad is going to say, "What do you quit talking like?" Well, pastor does it. No, I just looked at the situation and fixed the situation and moved on. My point is, from something as trivial as a hand crank on a piece of woodworking equipment to standing before a fiery furnace how do you handle your difficult situations what what are you going to do in that case you got to have a consistent prayer life so daniel chapter 3 let's pick up now in uh, uh, verse 23 and read through 30 and bring this message to um a close amen, amen. verse 23 so shadrach meshach and abednego securely tied fell into the roaring flames oh man it's about to get good it's about to get good in here you better start getting your hand on the volume level of your shout meter okay and uh, so they remember the three big uh, I don't know it must have been three or maybe six who knows how many strong army guys threw them in there and they all died Okay, they were smoke after that. And uh, so here, these three tied up, they're tied up, they're thrown into the furnace. And so verse 24, but suddenly, I love God's suddenlies. Yes, do. Don't you love God's suddenlies? But suddenly, uh, verse, where did I, I, but suddenly Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in amazement and exclaimed to his advisors, uh hey guys. Uh didn't we throw three men in the fire? Wasn't it three? Okay, I know our soldiers we lost some of our soldiers, but we got plenty more. Didn't we just throw three Hebrew youths in the fire? And then he goes, and they of course they said, Yes, your majesty, we certainly did. And Oh, man, I love this. Nebuchadnezzar said, look, he shouted, I see four men unbound, walking around in the fire, unharmed, and the fourth looks like a son, the son of God. I wish somebody would give the Lord a shout in the house. There's such a beautiful message right here. And arguably the most powerful part of this is that these three guys chose not to To conform to their societal uh, transformation and the things that were... And as a result of them refusing not to conform, they were thrown into the fiery furnace. They were willing to take a stand when everyone else bowed down. Are you hearing me, beloved? And as Christians, we have to be willing to do the same. God does a miracle in this story. I love what the book of Luke uh, chapter 18 says. What is impossible with man is possible with God. I just add an absolutely to that. Whatever is impossible to man is absolutely certainly possible with our God. Amen. Now, I want you to notice in the storyline here is that God doesn't just save them. He doesn't just barely save them. So, let's take a look now in verse 26. Then Nebuchadnezzar came as close as he could to the door of the flaming furnace and shouted, "Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, He must have just got converted. (laughs) Servants of the most high God. Come out. Come here. Imagine you were there. You'd be absolutely freaking out. Bunch of my soldiers just died. We tied up these three Hebrew teenagers. We threw them in the fire. Three of them. But there's four in there now. And they are having one Holy Ghost church service marching around in that place. Amen? Oh, my gosh. I love this picture. Uh, So King Nebuchadnezzar has been humbled. He's already been converted. Servants of the Most High God, come out. Come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stepped out of the fire. (laughs) I wonder if they said, "Uh, excuse me, Jesus, but uh, the kings, we got to go, you know, represent you now so they stepped out of the fire oh my word then the high officers the officials and the governors the advisors crowded around them and saw that the fire had not even touched them not a hair on their heads was singed and their clothing was not scorched they didn't even smell of smoke all right i smoked some ribs this weekend I probably still smell like smoke. (laughs) I mean, I, I wasn't in the fire, right? They didn't even smell like smoke. Let me go ahead and read on to verse 30. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He sent his angel to rescue his servants who trusted in him. They defied the king's command and were willing to die rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. This was the king's confession. The guy who made the 90-foot statue is probably thinking, somebody better go tear that thing down before I throw somebody else in that fire, right? Verse 29, therefore I make this decree. If any people, whatever their race or nation or language, speak a word against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they'll be torn limb to limb. (laughs) This guy's one radical Christian, isn't he? He just got saved for crying out loud. He still had not been totally converted yet, has he? And will be torn from limb to limb, and their houses will be turned into heaps of rubble. Why? Because there is no other God who can rescue like this. I wish somebody would give the Lord a praise. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. So God doesn't just barely save them. They didn't come out and have to go to a trauma center for their burns. No, not a hair on their head was singed. I know that would be really easy for God. He doesn't need to worry about that with me and a few other, you know, wonderful men in the house. You know, you know what they say, God. Doesn't uh, put marble tops on cher- uh, cheap furniture. Just saying, brothers. So. <laughs> right? Their clothing wasn't scorched. They didn't even smell of smoke. Now, I had already written this message when I when I smoked the ribs this weekend. I kept, you know, even when I was out in the boat and pulling some tubers behind me, I could smell smoke coming off. I mean, I'm, oh, those ribs are gonna be good, boy. But anyway, so all of that was in and of itself pretty amazing. If you think about it, but what makes my heart sore even more is what we read in verses 24 and 25. And I want to read this now again from the new King James version. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished. Again, I've tried to paint the picture of what this scenario must look like. So put yourself in the movie. Okay. I mean, imagine the king sitting up here on his throne, all high and mighty. And he's thrown these three guys in the fire and he sees what he sees and so then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished. You think maybe? And he rose in haste and spoke, saying to his counselors, did we not cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? And they answered and said to the king, true, O king, they had to, bend, they had to have egg on their face. Oh, my goodness. So he said, look, he answered, I see four men loose, free. No more bondage. <laughs> no more chains walking in the midst of the fire they weren't just sitting around you know this is one of the old pentecost i don't know if you ever had an old pentecostal uh, marching line around the the church building ever anybody ever been in old pentecostal marching around i remember when (coughs) when uh, when i was a kid you know they would somebody start marching around the building next thing you know everybody in the church was following we just marching around the marching around the sanctuary don't y'all look at me with that crazy look I'll make us all get up and march. No, I don't. (coughs) I won't do that. So here they are marching around. And I mean, he goes, I see four men loosed, walking in the midst of fire, and they are not hurt. I love this. And the form of the fourth is like the son of God. Wow. An angel of the Lord. Come on, somebody. I mean, these three Hebrew Hebrew youths were thrown into a furnace that was so hot that it killed those that even approached the furnace. And not only did the fire not burn them, not only did it not singe a single hair on their head, not only did they not smell like smoke when they came out, but the miracle that makes me want to shout is the powerful church service that took place in the fire! when the lord showed up i wish somebody would hear my message today it's in the fire when the lord shows up for you it's in the trial that was the depth of their trial not the fact you're going to bow or else it was the or else god meets us in our or else huh he comes to free us and set us free and loose us from the chains of society from the change of culture I don't know if your mind is blown by what's going on in our culture, but mine certainly is. Amen? But my God is greater than any God of this world. And we need some Christians with some backbones who are going to say, I'm going to stand up against this. No matter what the cost of my discipleship, I'm not going to give in. I wish somebody would praise the Lord in the house of God. Amen, amen, amen. So yeah, boy, they had themselves a church service. No doubt about it. Friends, I want you to know that the Lord will be with you in the midst of the fire, in the midst of your difficulties. The situation that you're in may look hopeless, but what's impossible with man is not impossible with God because all things are possible to God. Amen? To take a stand against the evil Demands of this culture may seem hopeless. Some people lose their jobs uh, over having to take a stand for the cultural, they're not norms, the cultural perversions that are trying to uh, masquerade themselves as the new norms. And listen, I'm not here to speak against churches, but there are so many churches that have fallen to this idol of Nebuchadnezzar metaphorically, who are changing their whole theological viewpoint to take on, uh, with, whether it's drag pastors that are ordained to preach, whether it's, uh, well, if you watch, the, there's, I, I, this is common knowledge, the Methodist church has fractured themselves right down the middle because of those who choose not to stand up for the LGBTQ and those who said we're going to stand up for the LGBTQ and there are some people saying well we're going to set they're going to take a stand amen and they're going to separate themselves from that and say no that's not our God we're not going to serve the God of this society would somebody say amen amen, amen. and I'm, I'm proud of those that are doing it we have one of one of our own who her name's Amy and and she uh, attends a, a Methodist church that has gone through the process of disassoci- disassociating themselves from the Methodist church to be an independent church primarily because it said, no, that is not the God we serve and we're not gonna do it anymore. And God, she just finished discipleship training with us while being the chairman on the board of a church that is disassociating in order to do what? Walk by the biblical principles of God Almighty. Praise God, you think somebody's in the fire? Amen. You need to be praying for Amy and for that church that's trying to find their footing and find their ground. This is we're going to stand up for what we know is truth and we're not going to bow to the false truth, to the lie. Can you say amen? Amen. So it may seem hopeless. I bet there's probably been days that Amy has had moments of hopelessness. How is this ever going to work? What's, What's going to happen? But you know what? Even in your moments of hopelessness, with God on your side, who can be against you? Amen? Hallelujah. So I know I've told the same, I've told the story you've heard many, many times about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Uh, about Azariah, about Hananiah, about Mishael, that's their Hebrew names. I spent last couple of weeks talking to you about Daniel and how he he and the three Hebrew boys took a stand and did not compromise with society I talked with you last week about how they made it through their difficult situations was because of their consistent prayer life even in the face of the threat of the lion's den come on and they were saying no we're going to serve our God the way we know to serve our God and they did it not by accident they didn't trip into it they did it Willingly, everybody say willingly. They made a willful choice. We're going to stand up for what we believe is truth, and nothing, no threat, no government, nothing is going to steer us away from us. Nothing is going to make us change. We're going to stick with our guns on this. And we, friends, have to be willing to take a stand when everyone else is sitting. And we got to be willing to sit when everyone else is standing. Y'all have seen the picture of the fish going upstream. But there's one fish that's going against the grain of everybody else. That's what we as Christians are not supposed to be going with the, f- with the flow of society. Just in order to keep ourselves safe. Okay? And we're not supposed to be arrogant. We're not supposed to be, have brash arrogance. We're not supposed to walk in rebellion. But we have to re- follow the Lord regardless of the cost this is what I'm preparing you for my friends because now granted society may get a reprieve because there's a whole lot once the children started getting attacked as they are currently getting attacked a lot of people started making their voices heard and said we are not going to stand for this you're going to start attacking our kids Amen. But you know, even that's a ploy of the enemy to sacrifice the kids has been something the enemy has been doing all the way back to the early gods of Moab where they sacrificed their sons and daughters. And now we're sacrificing our sons by turning them into girls and sacrificing our daughters by turning them into boys. And we're mutilating our children and people are starting to stand up and say, No! So I believe America has a chance for a reprieve. Do you know what it's going to take, friends? Yeah, amen. Christians right. that will take a stand and let their... It's time to quit hiding behind in the foxhole. It's time to quit, just keep our heads low and fly under the radar. I've been there already, okay? I've already repented for that. Can I get a witness from somebody? But it's not, And you all know that I'm not a political rebel, I'm not in the whole political scene, but yet I'm, I'm discovering that all through the Bible, these cats were involved in political stuff. Amen? So I'm not saying we're going to become a political church, but we're going to stand for the truth and we're going to do it with all of our hearts. Amen? But we're not going to do it with brash arrogance. We're going to do it with love. It's love that covers a multitude of sins. I wish I could get a witness from somebody. So we have to remember that following the Lord is, is a costly endeavor. It is. It, it'll cost you everything. That's what the scripture says, that we have to die to self. We have to, basically meaning you give up everything else in your life to serve God. The beautiful thing is, is that God restores so much in our lives and returns so much to us. But understand that there are consequences for standing up for your faith. So we're either going to be a church that will stand up for our faith or we'll be a church that will bow to the metaphoric uh, image of Nebuchadnezzar. Even in the last days when the Antichrist makes himself known, he will have an image of himself displayed in the Holy of Holies. And it will be required that everyone worship the beast and worship the image. Same storyline! And those who don't will be hunted down and according to the book of revelations will be beheaded well thank you so much for that positive close to a message see, see i'm not pray, i'm not preaching a pipe dream to you all i'm preaching something that should help us understand we have to be solid tough sheep tough lambs tough tough people of god who are willing to take a stand for our what we believe and not uh, just duck corners to make sure we never confront anyone about it. But again, again, not arrogant, brash arrogance, not rebellious confrontation, not mean confrontation. We're, we're called to be gentle, yet we're called to be shrewd as a serpent. Gentle as a dove, shrewd as a serpent. That's what the scripture says. So yeah, as I close. Yeah, praise team, y'all better come on up here and fix this for me. The Christian life isn't a walk in the park. Whoever told you that was lying to you. Uh, I know many of you have heard this illustration. Being a Christian is like falling into a bed of roses. <laughs> Sounds pretty on the surface till you get down inside that bed and you're all cut up with the thorns in there. You know what I'm saying? Okay. So anybody who says you just be a Christian and all of life will be ducky hunky dory. Is not telling you the truth. Now the rewards in life that God gives us for standing up for our Christianity are pale in comparison from any other reward we can get in in the earth and in the world. Amen. And people who choose to stand up for their Christianity for some earthly reward are missing out on the boat because it's the heavenly reward that matters the most. So I'm not trying to talk people into not accepting Christ. But we as ministers do a disservice to people to say, just raise your hand and say the sinner's prayer with me. And we say, amen. You're good to go. No, we're supposed to make disciples out of you. Amen. Radical, on fire, disciples for Jesus Christ. And that's what we intend to do here to help people live the life that they're born to live. And what does that require? Hard truth. The hard truth. So here in this case, it resulted in a group of friends being thrown into a fire. And living for God will always cost you something. In fact, it should cost you everything because Jesus paid everything for you. We do not belong to ourselves according to the scripture. We've been bought with a price. We are his and his alone. Living for God will always cost something, but we gotta be willing to walk into impossible, seemingly impossible situations. But if you heard the message to you today, it wasn't until those three Hebrew boys were in the midst of the fire that Jesus showed up. Hey, now I got a feeling, it's not written there, but these cats are so into their God that they probably saw Jesus marching around in the fire, just the three of them. Because they're spiritually in tune. They already saw Jesus in the fire. Said, I'm right here, y'all. It's gonna be alright. Because humanity, these, these three guys were humans. They were probably, oh, this is not gonna turn out good. But one of them said, Hey, wait a minute. Ananiah, see who I see? That's right. You see who I see? Michelle. It's, it's a holy, it's our God. He's in the fire. They're probably going, let's go gentlemen. If only we could see Jesus in the fire. We shouldn't dread the fire. Living for God will cost, but we gotta be able to walk into seemingly impossible situations, but never forget that there are no impossible situations when God is involved. And when you carry the heart of God through consistent prayers, through standing up, by not compromising, when you carry the heart of God, you carry the power of God. And especially in the fire, in the troubled situations. Would you say, Amen? So Christians should always stand out. If you've been hiding as a Christian, You're falling short of the mark that God has for you to be light and to be salt and to be an example. Don't tuck away and hide. Don't don't keep your Christianity a secret because maybe you'll get persecuted on the job. Don't keep your Christianity a secret because maybe they're going to want to fire you because you won't stand up for LBGQ, the alphabet group. We're supposed to stand out and that doesn't happen when we stand and sit at every cultural cue because that's what culture is doing, offering us another cue to stand up for them or to sit down against our God. We got to take a stand for what we believe. I'm going to do everything in my power as your pastor to take a stand for us and for what we believe. And there are some things that I'm doing right here in our own community that are not going to be easy as I'm taking a stand against some of the things that that the enemy, that Satan is using to divide men of God and women of God. So I either take a stand, take a risk, or I sit back and stay quiet. But I know who's waiting for me in the fire. I'm not saying I ever wanna go in the fire, but I don't know, man. I'd love to be in that church service. What about you, Jonathan? He said, I don't know, Pastor, this is on you. I'm just a piano guy. <laughs> <laughs> so we gotta take a stand for what we believe, beloved. We gotta be ready and willing. The Bible says we gotta be ready and willing to give a defense for why we believe what we believe. First Peter 3 15, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Children of God, Christians, are you prepared to give an answer for the hope that you have? Or are you going to tuck tail and run? Let me finalize this sermon with the three power statements that I've given us over these three weeks. Number one, a consistent prayer life will prepare you for difficult situations. A Consistent prayer life will prepare you for difficult situations. Number two, our private prayers prepare us for public impact. Our private prayers prepare us for public impact. And number three, I just said it to you, the person who carries the heart of God carries the power of God. If you can believe it and receive it, would you give the Lord a shout and a praise in the house of God today? amen 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 i've asked the prayer team excuse me yeah prayer, uh, no I, i've asked the praise team excuse me uh to come forward uh, and lead us the song that they have prepared is oh come to the altar and there's some of us in this room we have bowed we've given in we've hidden we've tucked tail and run Some of us have some some fires to face and we're ready to go in the fire and we just need to have a little extra convincing that Jesus is in there waiting for us. Maybe there's some in this room today you've never accepted Christ into your heart. You don't know what I'm all excited about, but you're thinking, I need some of that excitement in this world I live in. You don't know what all the hope is about when you're thinking, I need some of that hope in this hopeless situation that we have. You're you're, you're hearing the certainty in my voice maybe, and you're thinking, I don't know how you get so much certainty in a place that's filled with such chaos and confusion. I can tell you, it's about putting your trust in Jesus Christ. It's about accepting Him as your Lord and Savior. And I, as we do this song up here, my ushers go ahead and come, you can come remove this box. By the way, thank you all for giving and sowing to the love box today. I just want to open up the altars for prayer. Bow your heads with me for a minute as I seek the Lord on exactly how we want to do this. You all know me well enough to know that I don't do altar calls with some drama I don't do altar calls to try to get people to jump through hoops. There is an invitation to the altar today. You might think, well, I can have an altar anywhere. You're you're right, you can. There's a something to be said about moving your feet and leaving your seat and coming to a place of prayer. So whether, whatever the call may be, especially the call that, because I'm expecting that well, there won't be an altar call that passes without someone giving their heart to the Lord. If you've never accepted Christ, if you've never put your trust in him, I'm gonna ask you to come to the altar this morning. Nobody's gonna be judging you. Nobody's gonna be laughing at you if you found yourself compromising with the world, I want to invite you to come to the altar today. You're not alone. There's others that have done the same thing. If you want to be able to have that certainty to go into the fire, I want you to come to the altar today. And don't worry, you're not alone there either because there's a lot of us that are afraid of the fire if culture is starting to overcome you and overwhelm you, I'm gonna ask you to come to the altar today. And once again, I'm gonna say, be at peace because you're not alone. There are many other Christians in this room who've probably been overwhelmed. If you wanna be able to take a stand and not give in, I'm gonna ask you to come to the altars today. I'll be here. I'm going to ask the praise team now to lead us in the song, Oh, come to the altar. Dim the lights just a little bit. Let's give people an opportunity of some privacy and prayer. The altars are open. Please come today. Lord, I hope that you're blessed today and uh, not offended but blessed. Praise God, y'all. Just you can just keep praying in the altar and worshiping in the altar, that's fine. You don't have to leave just because my voice is up here getting ready to release us for the day. It's gonna be a birthday celebration for my lovely bride. uh, Do I get, should I say, can I say how old you're going to be? She's getting ready to just roll over into 65 and she gets better and better every single day. And so uh, I think we have some cake and stuff back there. Ice cream too. Awesome. What? Klondike bars. It just gets gooder and gooder as they say down in Tennessee, right? So please stand with me as I send you out, blessed today. Don't forget that we have midweek prayer service. Come on out, give it a try. It just, uh, one, I, I dare you, one brother said last week he almost hollered out, I, I wanted to say, I double dog dare you because I say that every now and again. But I double dog dare you, come on out and try Wednesday night prayer. Uh, you won't be sorry, it's a good time. It's one hour long and it will feed your week, I can promise you. Amen. So stick around with us and uh, let's fellowship together. Uh, Praise the Lord. I pray that the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Peace be unto you. God bless you. Have a wonderful week.